You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving. Diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast. Sports Radio 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. is where you can find me and Seth Payne each and every weekday. Um, appreciate you tuning in. I know there were some questions from some people. Is the pod still going? Are we still doing the pod? John's not here anymore. We're still doing the pod. Um, we, uh, we had, uh, one week I was at the Super Bowl. only did one episode. We had a little technical mix up last week. If those of you, uh, who subscribed to the podcast got a random Monday mailbag yesterday, that's what that was. So we made sure we got that out to you. I think it evergreen just fine. Um, so yes, pod's still on Pod's still on. It's still me. I think the format for the time being is going to be me on Tuesdays and me and a guest on Thursdays. So that'll be uh, something to look forward to. If you have any suggestions on guests, that's cool. But I've got a long list in mind. If you're anybody who has a podcast of their own, is a Texans expert, an NFL expert that listens to this podcast, know that you might be getting a uh, call or a text from me to come on this podcast at some point. So um, so I appreciate you in advance, if indeed you're one of those people. Uh, but yes, the Utopia Football Podcast, still here, still hit that subscribe button, still tell a friend about it, and um, this is an exciting time of year to be a Texan fan, no doubt about that, as we are recording this on a Tuesday, and we're going to do a mailbag today as well, mailbag at gmail.com is our mail, that's still the mailbag address, so any questions, appreciate all of you who continue to send in those emails and those questions for the mailbag, we'll get to that a little bit later on, but today is Tuesday. February the 20th, important date on the NFL calendar because today is Franchise Tag Day. Thank you. Awesome graphic. Um, yes, today is the day where NFL teams can start dishing out those franchise tags to their key players. And I will tell you, you guys know I'm big on tiny little signs of progress for the Houston Texans. I've been talking about that all year. I would say they overachieved on a lot of my forecasted tiny little signs of progress. Did not see winning the division and winning a playoff game on my bingo card. Um, but they can we continue to get tiny little signs of progress in the offseason, too. And this tiny little sign of progress for Franchise Tag Day is, A, 
the Texans actually have a few players who you can go to a bar, sit down and argue that maybe they should get a franchise tag and the person next to you will not laugh you out of the bar. Two, there are a lot of potential free agents available that uh, that could get franchise tag that I think the Texans should have on their radar. And I think these are all players who would listen to a phone call from the Houston Texans. Again, tiny little sign of progress. I don't think that the last couple of years the Texans had anybody even remotely close to worth franchise tagging that was a free agent. And I don't know how many of the marquee free agents would have taken phone calls from the Texans unless they were paying a big Texans tax to come to Houston and play. I'm talking about marquee franchise tag level free agents, big kahunas, big dogs. So, so that's exciting. So as far as today goes, and I guess just you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you know how the franchise tag works. Um, but basically the franchise tag average of the top five salaries um, at each position. And it's a one-year deal, and it's fully guaranteed. And it does one of two things with players. Either it makes a player super happy to get a franchise tag because they've never seen this much guaranteed money in their lives. I call that the Kirk Cousins effect. Or more often than not, players are like, all right, I wanted a long-term deal. This one-year deal is uh, it's nice and everything. And some of them don't even think it's nice and everything. Some of them get angry about it. So um, at any rate, uh, as far as the values go, you can look those up on the internet for purposes of the three Texans that I think you could have a discussion about a franchise tag for. I've got the dollar amounts right here, so no need to Google. Just keep it tuned right here on the podcast. Um, I think there's three that the Texans could have a conversation about over the next two weeks. And I think really two, and then I'm kind of throwing a wild card in. Um, but the first one, I'll start in order of how big the franchise tag would be. And I think this is the guy who got discussed more than any when it came to the franchise tag during the regular season, and that's Jonathan Grenard, who had a breakout season in 2023, 12 and a half sacks, stayed relatively healthy, tweaked an ankle in the Cleveland game towards the end of the year, so that really hindered him. Uh, he was not great down the stretch. He wasn't available down the stretch for part of the time, but he was, you know, he was, he and Will Anderson both dealing with leg injuries uh, really hindered the two of them. Um, so Grenard, I guess, wasn't maybe fully able to shake the injury prone label. He'd really had a tough time his first three years staying healthy. Um, but boy, when he was in this year and when he was healthy, he was impactful and he was impactful rushing the passer. He was impactful in the run game. Um, he's a guy who's been in the building since 2020. He's one of these guys that's been in the building for all of the craziness. Got drafted by Bill O'Brien. Played for Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cornell, uh, David Cully, Lovey Smith. Been through multiple GMs. Um, Jonathan Grenard's seen a lot of things, and he's been able to come through at the other side. I saw the Athletic had their top 150 free agents, and Jonathan Grenard was rated 11th overall on their list of free agents. I don't know how highly the league thinks of Jonathan Grenard. But I know that he had a good enough year to where at times during the year we were going, okay, well, they got to keep this guy. They got to try to. Is the franchise tag something that that uh, that the Texans would consider with Grenard? Here's the issue with the franchise tag with Jonathan Grenard. It's super freaking expensive. It's $23 million in change. That's the average of the top five defensive ends in football. So $23.5 million is the number to tag Jonathan Grenard 
And I'm assuming at that number, they would tag him and then work towards getting a deal done. Now, Jonathan Grenard was a third round pick, 23 million guaranteed. If you had told Jonathan Grenard back when he was toiling for Lovey Smith and injured that he would be getting a franchise tag, he would have probably signed up for that in a second. Now he's had a near elite season, 12 and a half sacks at a position that is a highly valued position around the league. I think 23 million is more than Jonathan Grenard's going to get in terms of average annual value for his deal. I think he's going to get more overall money, obviously, and probably more guaranteed money than that in a free agency deal, even if it's with the Texans. Um, so I think the the franchise, the problem with the franchise tag for Grenard, for Grenard is it ties up $23 million in cap space. There's nothing you can do to spread that money out. I would not use the $23 million franchise tag on Jonathan Grenard. I would try to work towards a deal, possibly before free agency. Um, I don't. I have no clue as to what Jonathan Grenard is going to get offered on the open market. I could see it. I could see teams looking at his injury history and one good season and saying, "All right, we'll top it out at maybe thirteen or fourteen, fifteen million, something like that." And then I could see some teams out there that have money to spend. A lot of bad teams out there that have money to spend that would look to maybe overpay Grenard. And I could I could see a scenario where he gets up towards that $20 million range. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If I'm the Texans, I'm looking at about 15 or 16 million for Grenard as the number, average annual value. And um, so to that end, I, I try to work on that. And if he hits free agency, let the market dictate what Jonathan Grenard gets and then see where it goes. I, I don't know that he's going to get tippy top money. You just got to be, you got to be concerned that bad teams with cap space come in, overpay him. And then at that point, you're selling him on staying in Houston and playing for a winner and playing somewhere that he knows and no state income tax. So that's number one. Grenard is number one. Number two, Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz would be the other, the second player that I think you could have an argument uh, about the about the franchise tag. And the franchise tag for tight ends is about 12 million or so, 12 million and change. I think that's more than Dalton Schultz is going to command on the open market in terms of average annual value. 
the 12 million is a number that the Texans can absorb. I think that the major dynamic going on with Dalton Schultz is what's happening at the tight end position in the league. This is not a good free agency class for tight ends. It's not a good draft class for tight ends. This is actually, I think this is the market Dalton Schultz hoped that he had been walking into last year when he became a free agent. Unfortunately, he walked into a market last year with some good free agents with a, an elite draft class of tight ends. This draft class, it's Brock Bowers and a bunch of other dudes. So, um, so it's a better market for Schultz to max out. And maybe the Texans might be better off if they are truly motivated to keep Schultz. And I think they should be. I think they should be motivated to keep Schultz. Just if we're, if we're putting blinders on about the price, he was a good tight end for them this year. C.J. Stroud has clear chemistry with him. I think C.J. Stroud likes him, and I think that that matters in all this. Um, so that's the $12 million franchise tag for Dalton Schultz, I would use that if I were the Texans. You know, once, de- depending, on, depending on how they're looking at certain other positions and where they're sort of allocating their resources, if they're cool with 12 of their 60 to 70 million in cap space being allocated to Dalton Schultz, then I, I would go ahead and do that. And I would work semi-diligently on a long-term deal with him. But I think bringing him back on a one-year deal at $12 bucks, I, I think that's a I think that's a good deal for the Texans. I think it's a great deal for Dalton Schultz. And I think it keeps an important piece of the offense intact because this depth, in addition to the league, the you know, the the market being kind of in favor of Schultz a little bit, um, the Texans don't really have a great depth chart at tight end. Brevin Jordan heading into the last year of his rookie deal. Tegan Catoriano can't stay healthy. I would do a franchise tag for Dalton Schultz. If the Texans were to do that, I would give that a thumbs up. Um, the only other one I threw in there as a wild card, only because he's really good at what he does, is Cam Johnston, the punter. The 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 franchise tag for specialists is five point eight million, which is pricey, but um, Cam Johnston's an excellent punter, and he's been a real weapon for this team the last few years since coming here. He signed a three year deal to uh, to come to Houston back at the very beginning of the Nick Casario era. He might have even been the first free agent that they signed. Smart move for those Texans team to get a punter checked off because nobody was going to get more usage than the punter on the first two Texans teams that Nick Casario was the GM for, or as I call it, the Davis Mills era. Um, So I would think about it for Cam Johnston. That's really more just a wild card. You rarely see kickers and punters get hit with a franchise tag, but I think it's, it's, it's very underrated how important the two specialists that are free agents right now for the Texans, um, how they sit within the framework of this team. Kaimi Fairbairn and Cam Johnston both are free agents right now or about to be free agents. And um, and both are very good at their jobs. Now, why not Kaimi Fairbairn? Well, because according to people that know more than I do about the way contracts work, uh, Kaimi Fairbairn has a clause in his contract that does not allow the team to franchise tag him. So um, good move by Kaimi Fairbairn. Now, as far as your checklist for players around the league, at least my checklist for players that I think could get franchise tagged, that, um, that, that matter to you, the Houston Texan fan, um, if you're just listening, I'm pointing at the camera, like the Uncle Sam. Uh, I think there's three positions that the Texans are going to go shopping in the more expensive aisles for those positions. And I think it's defensive tackle, defensive end, and running back. And I'm basing that, I'm basing that one on my eyeballs, what I've seen 
Two, I'm basing that on things that D'Amico Ryans has said. He has said that the defensive line, I'm paraphrasing, the defensive line is the foundation for everything that we do. He has also said they need to improve the running game. He has acknowledged that. D'Amico's not always a guy who will publicly acknowledge the need for improvement in some places. He will slow play and kind of soft play players or areas that are underperforming a little bit. He was he was very clear that the running game needs to get better. So I think running back and getting a veteran, maybe even a star level running back is key. The names that I've got down that you need to keep an eye on, a defensive tackle. I don't think you need to keep an eye on Chris Jones. He's going to get franchise tag. There's no way he's coming to Houston. I don't think there's any way he's leaving Kansas City. And I don't know if it would be good for the Texans if they paid market for Chris Jones uh, because market is going to be like a serious, serious cap eater. Um, I think the two names at defensive tackle that the Texans should have an eye on and could get franchise tagged over these next two weeks, Justin Matabike of Baltimore, Texas A&M guy, and then Christian Wilkins, who was part of that great Clemson group of defensive linemen a few years ago. Miami Dolphins, he's been awesome uh, the last few years. He's been, he was great last year. Um, the Dolphins are way over the cap. They're like $50 million over the cap, and they haven't even paid their quarterback yet, if they do indeed plan to pay him. Um, so I don't know that Wilkins is going to get a franchise tag just because the numbers and the way it works. But I think he's a good enough player to deserve a franchise tag. If he were on a team that had the cap space to do it, I think he might have one. But those are the two names at defensive tackle that I would keep an eye on that are worthy quality-wise of a franchise tag and are on teams that might be of mind to tag them. Now, I think the thing with Matabike you got to think about as well, Patrick Queen, linebacker, is also a free agent this offseason. I think Matabike is the far more likely guy to get a franchise tag. They're already paying Roquan Smith at linebacker. That would be a weird allocation of resources to have to have that much money allocated. And I think it's $18 million, the franchise tag for linebackers, somewhere around there, $18, 20000000 it's a lot. To have that much allocated to two inside linebackers, as big a strength as that was for them, and as much as that fueled their team, the Ravens are at a stage now where Lamar Jackson's contract is is starting to hit the cap, and they're going to have to make some tough decisions. They can't have everything anymore. So those are the two names of defensive tackle. At defensive end, I think the two probably most elite names are Brian Burns of Carolina and uh, Josh Allen of Jacksonville. As far as Burns goes, Burns rated number one on the athletic 150 free agents, by the way. Burns is a weird one because he's been super productive for Carolina. He's been on the trade block at times. They had an offer for two first-round picks for him last year from the Rams. They said no, um, and yet they can't arrive at a contract with him. Franchise tag just feels like where this thing whole thing is going. If it's taken these two sides this long to agree on something, I don't know what's going to make them agree all of a sudden in these next two weeks. And look, Carolina um, – with Brian Burns, you got to look at it one of two ways. If you're Carolina, they can't let him walk. Okay. That's the one thing they cannot let him walk in free agency. So where Carolina is in their life cycle, you either have to be confident in this next coaching staff that they're going to get something out of Bryce young and we need to retain some good players. And Brian Burns is one of their only good players or two. We're still rebuilding here and we got to franchise tag Brian Burns and try to flip him somewhere that will give him the contract that he wants. So, or maybe they put the franchise tag on him and somebody signs him to an offer sheet. And they get two first round picks. I don't know that that's going to be the case, but he does play a position and he is a guy who somebody made an offer of two first round picks for a year ago, the Rams. 
So Burns is an interesting one. I don't think he's on the radar for the Texans. I don't know that Josh Allen of the Jags is either. Um, that would be fun to sign somebody away from Jacksonville to kind of hurt a division rival while um, strengthening yourself. I think ultimately there's probably a bigger focus on bringing Grenard back at a more reasonable deal than these two. But I think those are two names worth keeping an eye on with the franchise tag. Josh Allen of the Jaguars and Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers. Last one, the running backs. I think the two names that that I would keep an eye on with a potential franchise tag are two guys that had a, I believe, trying to remember if it was a franchise tag situation or a fifth-year option, but both of these guys last year, um, I think it was a franchise tag for both of them, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Now, this the franchise tag this time around would probably be 20% of what they made last year, and they both made, I think, between 11, 12, somewhere around there. So you're talking now getting upwards of $14 million. I don't know that they're going to tag those guys. Those are also two teams that are in rebuild mode, in my opinion. Um, so do you want to tag a running back who will be unhappy about getting tagged? And the only solution is to maybe trade them, but I don't know how much you're going to get for Saquon Bar. I don't know how much you're going to get for a veteran running back in a trade. Um, or pay them. Give them a long-term deal of some sort. My guess is they both hit free agency, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, um, unless they get signed by their current teams before free agency. I don't think either of them are going to get a franchise tag, but I don't think it's silly to at least discuss the possibility of it. Um, so those are two two big names for the Texans. The other running back name I don't think is getting a franchise tag, but I would throw in there for the Texans is Derrick Henry um, as far as a target goes in free agency, but there's plenty of time for us to talk about free agency. So there's your franchise tag 101. I think there's three Texans, really two, plus a wild card who could get a tag. And I think there's two or three names at, to me, the three positions they're most likely to shop expensive at that you should keep an eye on. So hopefully that helps. Um, we're going to get to the mailbag in just a second. Big congrats to CJ Stroud for the weekend that he had last week. This is the first episode that we've done since in a three-day, really a two-day period, if you think about it. Because Thursday night, C.J. Stroud was the MVP of the Tyler Scott Cactus Jack celebrity softball game. There were a lot of good athletes in that game, too. That was no easy pickings. Then Friday night, he was playing in Indianapolis. The softball game was on Thursday was in Houston. Friday, Indianapolis, NBA celebrity all-star game. I'll say dropped 32 points like he was on fire. There were a lot of times in the game that CJ couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I think he would even admit he was 0 for 9 from 3. There's no argument there. Fun to watch. Then he was right back in the saddle on Saturday afternoon at Fertitta Center with his buddy Tank Dell and the Fertitta family watching the Cougs beat up on the University of Texas. He was at the game last night against Iowa State. Damn Showtime Lakers with Tank Dell and C.J. Stroud at courtside for the Cougs, number two ranked Cougs. But C.J. Stroud in less than 48 hours, MVP Celebrity Softball, played in the Celebrity All-Star Game, courtside for the Cougs. In between all that was what got everybody talking because that was when he was captured on video with Amber Rose, rapper, noted rapper, noted celebrity, 40-year-old Amber Rose with 22-year-old C.J. Stroud. The internet jumped to a bunch of conclusions that C.J. Stroud would be added as a notch to her bedpost alongside names like Kanye West, 
Wiz Khalifa, who she has a kid with, Machine Gun Kelly, NBA star Terrence Ross, 21 Savage, A.E. Edwards, kid with him too. I'll add James Harden in there as well. Now, Amber Rose jumped on social media to say that C.J. Stroud was just being polite. The sprinter van that was supposed to bring her back to her hotel left without her, and he was just giving her a ride back to the hotel. The sense I get after listening to everybody's Zapruder this video, break it all down, discuss it amongst themselves, talk about it on the radio, the sense I get is I'm in the minority when I say, I think CJ Stroud just gave her a ride back to her hotel, had a polite conversation and dropped her off. Am I being naive by thinking that? I don't think so. And I have a couple of reasons as to, as to why. One, CJ Stroud's mom confirmed that that's what happened on Twitter. She said 100 emoji when uh, that explanation was tweeted out by Amber Rose. So CJ obviously told his mom the truth. Why would he tell her anything different? Plus, his mom knows that she's that he's just a polite kid who's helping a damsel in distress. That damsel's name is Amber Rose. Number two, this is the big one. I just don't know that Amber Rose is like that doesn't mesh with CJ Stroud for me. You know what I mean? Like I like I don't know what kind of game CJ Stroud spits at Amber Rose. CJ is a very engaging dude. He's he's very friendly. Um, I think if he weren't a football player, he would be perceived as kind of a nerd. And I don't say that disparagingly. I, I say I say it with great admiration. I love nerds. Many times I am a nerd. So I just like I I don't I don't know that now I don't know that you need to do much in terms of spitting game to get Amber Rose to do what Amber Rose does. I just don't know. I've never had the opportunity to spend any time with her. Um, nor have I had the opportunity to drive her back to her hotel. So I have no firsthand working knowledge. I'm working off of very, very surface level stuff here with CJ Stroud. That's my conclusion on this very important topic, especially given that he was at the basketball game Saturday, made it the bat the all-star game Friday. So he made it there. He was at the Cougs game Saturday, Cougs game Monday. He was with Tank Dell both times. Wasn't with Amber Rose. Now if he shows up again on social media with Amber Rose. I will do a Sean is an idiot episode of this podcast, but big weekend for CJ Stroud. Good job, CJ, on all that you're doing. All right, let's get to the mailbag. A few questions. Let's rapid fire some mailbag questions here. Uh, appreciate everybody sending them in. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. Who is your dark horse pick for most improved for the 2024 season? Uh, this is from Aaron in Cali, by the way. Aaron in California. Uh, I'm going out on a limb to say it's John Mechie. Got his first full year under his belt. Bit underwhelming, but he showed undeniable talent in college and then had his obvious health setback. Now with a healthy offseason, I hope he starts to put it together and come out a completely new player next year after the experience he just gained. There's a lot of candidates for this for most improved. Um, I would say I, I'm, I have my doubts about Mechie. Um, I just, I'm very skeptical about, about Mechie, right? He had such a hard time getting open last year. I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what the lag time is. If you suffer from leukemia, go through treatment. The fact that he was on an NFL field last season was incredible. So I feel like a horrible person even nitpicking the whole John Mechie thing. Um, I'm going to tell you the ones who I who I think they need to be. Uh, Jalen Petrie needs to be one of them. Jalen Petrie needs to capture some of the form that this team envisions him having. I thought he had a decent rookie year, and I thought he had a very down sophomore year. So hopefully – Jalen Petrie is, is one of those players. Um, 
Juice Scruggs, who had some good moments this past year, uh, I think would would be would be a nice one. Although I thought Juice was doing well at the end of the year. I'll tell you the big one that if it happened would be huge would be Kenyon Green. If he comes back from his injuries and he uh, he's able to uh, capture at least some semblance of the form the team thought he was going to have when they drafted him 15th overall. So I'm just spitballing. I'm just going, these are off the top of my head that I'm doing these right now. Mechie's a good one. Petrie's a good one. A couple of guys on the offensive line are good. Um, and, uh, and so I would say of all those, I'll go Jalen Petrie. Now I went out on a limb and put Petrie in the pro bowl last year. All I'm doing now is saying most improved Texan, but Petrie, it's year three, man. Don't make me look like an idiot. All right. I do enough of that myself. All right. Next one here, David Martinez. My quick question to y'all is where do you rank the Texans offseason priority needs without factoring in money? What are their biggest needs? Just strictly position needs in my in my scenario. He lists a few of them here. I think the biggest ones are on the defensive line, especially given the 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 potential attrition on the defensive line. You know, Sheldon Rankins is a free agent. Jonathan Grenard's a free agent. Derek Barnett was really good for them last year. He's a free agent. So I think defensive line is huge. Um, I think that uh, cornerback is a big one, a big one, an underrated one, especially if they don't bring Steven Nelson back. My God, cornerback is a huge one. And then I think offensively is running back. They're, they're not going to make huge moves on the offensive line, maybe even if they should. Pretend contracts didn't exist. They probably would have looked to swap a few of these guys out, but they're just committed to all these guys. And then I think wide receiver depth. Depth wide. I don't think they need to go get Mike Evans. That was going to be a topic on the podcast today. Maybe we'll save that for Thursday. But um, I don't think they need to get Mike Evans. No, if they got Mike Evans, it would be badass. But um, I think depth at wide receiver. I think the running back room from beginning to end. And then I think defensively, defensive line and cornerback. Those are the big ones for me. Appreciate the... Uh, Appreciate the email, David. This is from Drew. If the top of the free agent wide free agent wide receiver class is tag slash off the market, i.e. Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., who would you like to see the Texans sign? I think there's a few names. I know the midday show on Sports Radio 610 is huge on Gabe Davis right now from Buffalo. That's fine. I don't know what he's going to cost. I would say the ones that intrigue me, just looking through the list of free agents. Tyler Boyd is one that intrigues me from Cincinnati. He's been the third wheel in Cincinnati. I think he's a good player, even if he did drop a touchdown pass that likely would have beat the Texans this year. But Tyler Boyd, Curtis Samuel from Washington, uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. These are all guys I think would complement Nico Collins and Tank Dell really, really well and wouldn't break the bank for those guys. So those are a few names for me in, in that realm. Um, couple more here. Three more. Jerry says, Sean, I know you and your wife have traveled to most of the United States and several NFL stadiums. Which of the Texans road trips next season would you make a priority to go to? I love questions like this. I wouldn't prioritize any of the three division games because you can go to those any year, any year. Plus it's Indianapolis, Nashville, and Jacksonville, which are fine cities, but they're not must-go-to destinations. I'm sure people from those cities will listen and DM me and tell me what an ass I am. Um, of the six games that are non-division games, I think one of the things you need to keep in mind is the Texans might have a London game next year. Between Minnesota and Jacksonville, both those teams host London games. So you got to keep that in mind. I think Dallas is, you know, that's an easy one. You drive up 45. That could be a Thanksgiving Day game. 
And then Kansas City could be the season opener that the Chiefs play and where the Super Bowl winner plays. Of all the ones, though, just based purely on the venue and going to the venue and the city, I would say Green Bay. Uh, I've been to Green Bay a couple of years ago. It's amazing. And the colder, the better. If they play, they play in November. If you're rooting to go to Green Bay this year, root for November's the sweet spot. December might be a little too cold, but November. And then I would say Kansas City is amazing. I went to Kansas City. Uh, a couple of years ago for the bye week when they play Buffalo. It's incredible. Those would be probably the two that I would prioritize. You know, the Jets is a trip to New York more than anything else, more than a trip to the, the stadium. But Kansas City and Green Bay are incredible stadium experiences. All right, Matthew Kosecki is back. Appreciate you, Matthew. He says, uh, he says uh, what is one non-obvious player do you think could realistically become a Texan next year that you think could make an enormous impact? Example, trade for a guy like Jonathan Allen, Sign Brian Burns, trade up for Malik Neighbors or Brock Bowers, and then Stefan Diggs, Bobby Wagner, Khalil Mack, all caps. Um, I would say, you know, the the ones that intrigue me the most, because uh, I don't know that they're trading for expensive veterans like Stefan Diggs, and I don't know the personality they're looking to bring into the building. Um, Khalil Mack is an interesting one, but I we have to see if Harbaugh is looking to – you know, what are they doing in, in L.A.? Does he feel they can win right away? They've got a quarterback there. I like the ones for uh, – I like the draft ones. I think the one thing we've learned with Nick Casario is, based on the Will Anderson trade, is he's not afraid to make big moves in the draft. And so, you know, they're picking 23rd. They're not picking 12th like they were last year with that second first-round pick. So moving up into a territory where you're getting some of the names you're talking about here, Matthew – is is may, may prove to be difficult, but it would be cool. Like if a guy like Brock Bowers, who's from Georgia, the tight end, who's incredible, uh, easily the best tight end in this draft. And to, if, let's face it, probably a top seven or eight pick. But if he started to slip a little bit, if Nick wanted to, you know, do a little magic and move up and get him and really fill a position of need. Now, by then we might know, by then we will know if Dalton Schultz is a Houston Texan. So maybe that impacts that. That would be what I'd like to see, like a big move in the draft to get somebody. Malik Neighbors is another good one. I just don't think they're going to move up for a wide receiver like that because it's a deep draft of wide receivers. Um, I, they're more likely to sit tight in the third round and use that. I think they have Philly's third-round pick and use that to draft one of the many wide receivers. Last one, Chris Reyes says, Texans new unis, any thoughts? What are you hoping to see? H-Town Blue, are you on board like me? I just want to see something fresh and unique, meaning something I want to buy. And then says. Um, not a big fan of the old unis. Love the show from Chris. Um, I'm anxious to see the new unis. We're going to see them at the draft this year. I know they're going to have some H-Town blue in them. Um, Drew Doherty is a better person to hit up on this. I know he's mentioned some things about the uniforms on and Drew Doherty of Texans TV. Um, he's in the building over there. I've had a chance to see some of the mock-ups of the unis at some of the fan council meetings that the team has had. I'm one of the media members on the Texans fan council. So I've had a chance to see them. Um, I don't know how drastically, drastically different they're going to look from, from the current uniforms. Um, they'll look different, um, but I don't know how drastically different to the extent where if you don't like the current uniforms that you're going to all of a sudden love these new uniforms. Like it's not a wholesale, like swapping everything out. I mean, they're keeping the logo, the Texans logo, certainly as part of the uniform. Um, I mean, I don't know how deep I can dive on all that. I don't want to step on the team. So uh, I'll just say I'm looking forward to the, seeing the uniforms like the rest of you are. I think from what I've seen, and I haven't seen anything final, but from the stuff I got to see at the fan council, they've got some really good ideas. 
Um, so it's cool. And I think heading into this new era too, I think it's the perfect time uh, to uh, to do that. I think it's going to be one of those, you know, yet one of these many things that's going to add some juice to this offseason coming up for the Texans. All right, so mailbag at gmail.com. There we go. We made it through another podcast. Just me and you, the listener. Um, mailbag at gmail.com. Send in your emails to that address. All right, so we hit the franchise tag. We hit CJ. We hit the mailbag. On Thursday, guest TBD. All right, I'm going to book somebody to entertain and inform you folks, but I appreciate you tuning in. Hey, tell a friend about the podcast. Hit subscribe. Give us a review. Uh preferably five stars. Um, but uh, appreciate you tuning into the Utopia Football Podcast. Big thanks to Anthony Irwin, my producer. Before I forget, uh, this battery on the phone, the battery on my laptop is about to run out. So I make sure that I can get in my goodbyes. There we go. And my thank you to Anthony for producing the podcast. Um, big thanks to all of you for, uh, for listening and tuning in. Continue to be two episodes a week and um, very exciting time of year. This is the time to have the pod. So tell a friend, subscribe to it and we appreciate you. So, for Anthony, I'm Sean. We are out of time. We will see you on Thursday for the next episode of Utopia Football Podcast. Take care, everybody.